Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. everyone, welcome to Tennis.com podcast. I'm Nina Pantic. And I'm Irina Falcone. And we are the co-hosts of a special episode. We've been gone for a little while, but we're back in action. This week we have Lisa Puglise. She is the founder and CEO of an organization called Love Serving Autism. She helps kids on the autism spectrum get engaged in tennis and play the sport and develop their language and interaction skills. She is a speech-language pathologist as well and went to the University of Florida and Duke University, has a master's degree. I mean, she's so knowledgeable in autism and language and tennis. And it's kind of an interesting, very interesting story, one we're very excited to share with you guys. All right, Lisa Puglis, thanks for joining us. You are working with Love Serving Autism. We want to talk about your story, how you got into tennis, how tennis has gotten you to where you are, and mostly about Love Serving Autism. So thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me today. Let's talk about your tennis story. When did you start playing? Do you still play? And and how did you get into it? Right. Well, I started playing tennis um, at the young age of five years old, and I was born and raised in Memphis, Tennessee. I, you know, grew up playing tennis in the South. And so I did a lot of tournaments and competitions in the Southern region. And um, all the way up until I was in high school, my dad had a job transfer. So my parents moved to Boca Raton, Florida. And I went to St. Andrews High School, which is in Boca, and um, started playing there. We had a a great tennis team at the time with Vince Spadia, myself, um, Luann Spadia, Deanna Spadia, the whole Spadia family. And, um, you know, we, we won states and I, I became, uh, ranked in Florida, basically number one in the 14, 16s and 18s. So I excelled in Florida, um, and tennis became a huge part of my life. Um, ended up uh, playing a lot of the junior tournaments, like with Lindsay Davenport and, um, some of the other players who ended up playing, you know, on the tour and so I, I really fell in love with the sport. And at the time, it was all about competing and, and winning. And I, I wanted to do the best I can in addition to really focusing on academics because St. Andrews was um, a college preparatory school. Um, I graduated from St. Andrews and ha- you know made the decision to go to college and play college tennis. So I started um, in 1992. I graduated from St. Andrews and went to Duke University and played there for one year. And I um, was a little bit of a, a transition for me leaving Florida to, to North Carolina. They did not have indoor tennis courts at the time. So we, we played outdoors, which was very cold. <laughs> um, I, I really missed my family. I missed home. Um, you know, as you know, growing up in tennis, it's a very protective environment. So I was, you know, learning a lot on my own about life skills and social skills and making friends. And it was just a big transition for me. And I decided, you know, I really missed being in Florida, decided that I I wanted to transfer to University of Florida. So I ended up playing there from 93 to 96. Our coach was Andy Brandy at the time. 
Um, and I believe uh, now it's Roland Thornquist. He's, uh, I don't know if you know him, yep, but yep. <laughs> um, he's, he's the coach now. So, you know, transferred to University of Florida, played there for three years, um, just had a wonderful experience there. And again, it was a lot focused. Um, Andy made sure that we had a certain GPA and we were focusing on our academics as well as tennis. So I, I'm still good friends with a lot of the girls on the team now, and I really am happy that I did transfer because I think that it it just it was more of a, um, a better experience for me, I think, being back in Florida and being around, you know, my family and it was more familiar to me. And did you study? I mean, what were you studying when you were in at University of Florida? What were you majoring in and what were you did you have a focus on academics or were you looking to turn pro? How what was your mindset? Well, I a little bit of both. I I was studying at the time um, linguistics or English. <laughs> I love grammar. I just, I love to read, um, but I really didn't know what I was doing with a career path. It was more tennis. It was more, um, you know, once I graduated, I knew that I did want to play professionally. And I did start out um, with a group of um, college seniors. We all played uh, challengers at that time. I think they were called satellites then, but challengers. And I did it for, I think, about two years. And I had spinal stenosis in my back, which is a narrowing of the spine. So I had a lot of herniated discs and some issues with my back. And um, I, I ended up having spine surgery um, in my early 20s. So that was like about two years after I graduated from UF. So um, it was challenging because I... I Somewhat enjoyed playing in the tour, but it was also a lot, as you know, of um, training and, and, you know, going from tournament to tournament and the qualifyings. And um, a lot of my teammates decided to go into coaching. And I didn't really know at the time if I wanted to go back and play after surgery or really what I wanted to do at that time. <laughs> so um, it was definitely a big identity kind of, you know, Crisis. I kind of felt it was at that point. And I, I had only identified myself as a tennis player, so I didn't know anything else. And I didn't really know if I had reached my full potential. But I, at that young age, I wanted to find my purpose. But I, I wasn't sure if it was through playing tennis. And I, you know, to this day, like I said, I, some of my teammates did end up playing for a while, like Joe Kravis and, and Lisa Raymond, and a lot of those players excelled on the tour. But I, I just you know, took a little bit of a break at that time to assess where I was. And, um, I briefly coached <laughs> at the Chris Everett tennis Academy, um, with some juniors and realized I wasn't sure if that was really for me, you know, traveling and traveling with the juniors to tournaments and coaching. Um, and I ended up, uh, actually applying to graduate school at that time. Um, because I just decided, well, if I'm not sure what I'm doing with tennis yet, and I, was kind of in between my, you know, finding out what I wanted to do. I, I decided it's best to just get going and um, find a career path at that time. I ended up applying to graduate school at FAU, which is in Boca. And I'd heard about speech and language therapy. You know, I knew at the time it was about helping others, but I didn't really know more than that. <laughs> I did take kind of a hiatus from tennis completely um, and entered into graduate school and, and really loved it. And studied communication sciences and disorders. So it was about um, the treatment, you know, of adolescents and adults of communication. So that was what my master's degree was in, in 2002. 
Wow, what a story. That's, I mean, definitely taking us back. And uh, I think Nina and I can definitely relate to a lot of the stuff that you were talking about. Um, I know I, I can speak, I think, for both of us. When you play tennis and you play it from when you're super, super young, I mean, it just it becomes you become tennis like that's literally anyone ever talks about. I know most of my friends, most of my family, it wasn't, oh, hey, how's it going? It's when's your next tournament? So I can totally relate to what you're saying with uh, when it comes to finding a purpose. But even though you took that hiatus from tennis, I mean, it looks like you went and you did find a purpose with your 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 master's degree, which ended up like serving you so well. And do you mind just giving us a little bit of how that like progressed into something uh, as big as love serving autism today? Thank you. Sure. Well, I became immersed into the field, I guess, of speech and language therapy. And my very first job interview was in a school and they had an autism unit. And this was 15 years ago. So they knew very little about autism and they knew very little about, you know, the treatment. And so um, the principal was a little nervous, you know, that I would actually accept the job. But I did because I, I thought the children were so unique and challenging in the classroom. And I ended up staying in that one job for 10 years at the same school and it was a middle school and um, the very challenging age because of hormones, but it was a range of children from nonverbal to high functioning. And at the time I was not um, connected to tennis. I really was just fully focusing on my job and speech therapy and I felt really fulfilled doing it. And um, toward year nine and 10, I realized, wow, I think autism is my passion. And there was a charter school in South Florida. That's the second largest city in the United States, the Palmer school for autism. And I decided to speak to the executive director who I knew very well at the time. And she said, we love to hire you. And this is a school of children, you know, over 300 children diagnosed. So you can only have autism to attend the school. So I started that job five years ago, um, and I worked there for five years, actually until June 1st of this year. So as far as connecting back to tennis, uh, let's see, about eight years ago, um, I spoke to the founder of a national nonprofit for autism, and they originated in Boston, and they teach intro to tennis skills. And I contacted him. I knew him from when I was younger, and I said, you know, we have no programs in Florida for children with autism. So... I, I worked with him and his nonprofit on opening uh, programs in Florida. So for six years, I was the Florida program director um, for it's a program called Acing Autism. So I worked with the founder. Um, he ended up moving to L.A., but I decided to continue you know, to grow the programs with him in Florida. Um, and after about year six, I kind of reassessed where I was with their nonprofit and had a new vision on my own of the fact that I'm a therapist and I really wanted to focus more on communication skills and create um, an adaptive pathway for the red, orange and green ball programs. So that's kind of when the seed of love serving autism originated. <laughs> um, so I decided to start my own organization and in January, 2017, that was when, um, we started our first tennis program. I just wanted to say that I had a wonderful experience with the national nonprofit. And I think that sometimes, you know, you realize that you want to try something on your own. And, and I, I wanted to grow and learn. And I wanted to, I wanted to make it become more of a therapeutic program since I had that classroom experience. So 
um, that was all I wanted to say about that was that it's, um, it's one, you know, as a program director, you learn certain, you have a certain experience, but when you're the founder, it's, it's, it's a lot more complex. (laughs) So I, I'm more on the business side now, learning a lot, both on court, off court, learning to write grants, um, fundraising, you know, um, and I, I'm, I'm loving the experience because it's very new, new for me. Um, so I just wanted to share that with you. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. Well, we, uh, we appreciate hearing all about it. I mean, it's pretty remarkable what you're doing. And, uh, when, when you have something, uh, this sounds like it's your baby. You know, you've created something so spectacular. Um, what do you think has been like the absolute most rewarding, memorable moment for you? And in, in Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Thus far, we have um, our first tennis program started at the same school where I was working, so the Palmy School for Autism. So that was kind of unique where I'd work as a speech therapist during the day and walk outside and then we do the tennis program. So one of the students who is nonverbal, he's high school student, um, would come to tennis and he needed a lot of physical prompting because he he just kind of waited for us to help him. But he was very happy to be at tennis, but he didn't really have any words. So his mom said one day, um, I just wanted to let you know that, you know, Marvin brings his tennis racket at night to his bed. And he puts it right next to him. And I said, what? You know, he said, yeah, he actually sleeps next to his tennis racket every night. And I, I kind of was stunned because I knew he enjoyed tennis, but I didn't realize how much he loved it. And that was, I guess, his way of expressing himself, you know, to his family and to me. And then I realized, wow, like, even though some of the children, you know, sometimes up to 40, 50% of the children in our classes are nonverbal, they, they do connect even though they may not be able to tell us. That's the beautiful thing about sport. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. Do you think there's something specific about tennis that works with, with kids that have autism? Because I know that there's certain other sports that these children try and get engaged with, but tennis seems to resonate. I know um, acing autism, we've covered them in the past before, so I'm very familiar with their program. And it seems to really work. Is there? Can you put a, a, a pin on what it is that's so good about tennis? Um, I would have to say because it's repetitive in nature and it's visual and it's also a sport that you can play on your own. And I think if I could, you know, those are probably the top three characteristics because a lot of the children, you know, they, they love, um, they get fixated on something, whether it's a video game, whether it's a toy. And when they come to tennis, it's like they look at the tennis ball and they, they just love watching it go back and forth and, hitting on the wall. And they've even, um, in one of our programs, we tried the ball machine and they became obsessed with the ball machine. So I think they just love the repetition. Um, and it's also the fact that, like I said, when you go to tennis, you know, you could be by yourself. You don't, unless you're playing doubles, I guess, but, um, a lot of our children, you know, they don't really crave social interaction. So they prefer to be on their own. And, um, some of the, actually some, a lot of our individuals and program participants have motor planning issues. So that means um, that basically their brain is telling them one thing, but their body might not be able to do it. (laughs) So 
like for running, they hit a forehand or a backhand. So some days they're really, some days that you could tell they're very regulated and other days they're not. And I think with repetition with tennis, it really helps them, you know, the more they play, the better they become. So um, the challenge for me is that we've expanded quite quickly in Florida, which is a wonderful thing, but I am in the process of training um, program directors and tennis professionals so that we can implement more tennis sessions for them. Are there any specific challenges, I guess there, there has to be, in working with the kids? Are there certain days where things just don't get done because the kids aren't as engaged or they're struggling and having bad days? Like, what are, what are your challenges and your program's challenges with, with them? Well, we just worked with USTA Florida, who's been a wonderful partner with us on creating an adaptive toolkit, which is it, it contains like um, a visual schedule. One of the main challenges we have is is the children and adults always like to follow a specific routine. So if they're off the routine, they may have a behavior. So we try our best to, to create a routine and consistency for them. There are some days, though, that they just come to tennis and Maybe they had a little bit of an off day at school and they may become a little bit self-injurious or aggressive. It doesn't happen often, but it can happen. So that's a point when we just have to like give them some space, let them calm themselves down, give them a way to communicate, whether it's through like an iPad or we, we use visuals with little picture cards so they can express themselves. So sometimes we just have to offer them a means to communicate so they can tell us like, you know, today I'm having a tough day you know, I'd rather take a break. And um, so sometimes we do have that happen and, and that's okay. But for the most part, tennis, we have small groups and they come out and they're so busy, you know, watching everyone and participating that they kind of forget the kind of day they've had <laughs> um, prior to coming to class. So um, I would, I would just say that once in a while, you know, one of the children might have a behavior or they might not feel well that day and have it, you know, they might have a hard time like telling us what's going on. I just think it's up to us as professionals to recognize that because most of the time they're not really trying to avoid the sport. They're just trying to communicate. Right. Well, I, I'm, I'm going to be completely uh, honest with you. I don't know much about autism just because I've never really encountered it. Um, but whether this means anything. I actually just watched Rain Man for the first time yesterday. Um, and I was just telling Nina about how much routine is so important to people that have autism. And, uh, that that's incredible. You must have the patience of a saint and I thank you for what you're doing. But, um, just, so just moving forward, you have this incredible organization that you've created and you're helping so many children. What is like a, do you guys have a goal? Do you have some sort of number that you're trying to hit? Or there are a certain number of students that you want to be playing tennis? Like what's, what's your guys's, uh, daily, weekly, monthly goal, if you will? Sure. Um, in addition, I don't really have a specific number as far as to the expansion of the programs, but I do have a vision to build an indoor therapeutic tennis center so that the children would come, um, and children and adults, because I do want to include adults in our programs. They would come to learn, you know, developmental tennis skills and also receive therapies like speech therapy, occupational, physical therapies, and also have like, it's an inclusive model. So I think... In addition to the tennis classes, I have a vision, I guess, of us having a center. 
and we would specialize in treating children and adults with autism and developmental disorders. So not only are they learning tennis, but they're also receiving therapies. And um, I think an inclusive model would be like typical children coming in and being peer models to them and volunteering. But yes, in addition to the expansion of our programs, like I I said, I don't have an exact number, but um, we are, we have 10 programs right now in Florida and we're expanding um, to five more in the fall. And then we're, we should have up to five adult programs. So right now we're in the state of Florida and, and I, and I like that because we're still developing our model and I want to make sure that, you know, for sustainability purposes, that everyone's trained properly. And then, and who knows in the future, if we will continue to grow outside of Florida, but for right now, that's, there's so many opportunities here in Florida. It's a big tennis Mecca in Florida. I just don't think people understand how many children and adults are, are dealing with autism for you to have that many programs in one state. I think just for someone as naive as Irina and I, it's a little bit surprising, but also great that they have something, an outlet. And I mean, I've often thought of tennis as kind of therapeutic, especially now, because I used to play, similar to your story, played in college, transferred colleges, tried to play professionally and quit for a while. And then now when I play, I kind of have that feeling of this feels good and I like to be out there and I'm enjoying it and I feel like I've done something and accomplished something and it's just a relationship that's totally changed from when I was a kid when I was training and had this goal of going pro and losses and wins was all my life revolved around. So I I can see how people's minds can be expanded to see that tennis is a lot more than just wins and losses for Venus Williams and, and, you know, Roger Federer. There's so much more and your story really shows that. And and on, on that note, we have the U.S. Open coming up, and I know that you have a special plan for the U.S. Open. Can you tell us about that? Sure. Well, I wanted to tell you, too, that one in 59 children are diagnosed with autism, so the numbers are very high. <laughs> Therefore, I think that's why it's pretty much everyone knows someone who has it nowadays, and that's why I think it's we, we are expanding in Florida. There are a lot of charter schools, by the way, where, where I am in South Florida. Um, secondly, for the U.S. Open, Yes, the UST invited us to bring 24 children in our program um, for US uh, for the on-court net generation experience, which is August 31st. And it is um, an honor to be invited. I think this is the second year that the USTA has coordinated this event um, for special needs. I think last year was Buddy of Tennis. And so we're flying, uh, we actually have 22 children going and two buddy or two one-on-one volunteers going. So we have 24 total and 50%, half the children have flown in an airplane before. So speaking of routine, this is a completely new routine for a lot of the families and children. Um, But I'm really excited because when I was younger, I, I did have the opportunity to play in US Open Juniors and I I remember the feeling, you know, when you're in tennis and it's all about tennis. And now I feel like it's such a bigger, different purpose for me, bringing these children here and, and exposing them to the greatest tennis in the world. And, and you know, they, they, the UST, I think, is giving us one of the three stadium courts. I'm not sure which yet, but it's a huge opportunity for, for us. And, and we're very thankful for this, for this opportunity. <laughs> That's fantastic. It's going to be a great experience, I'm sure. And this is going to be the first time you guys do this? Yes, this is the first time we've done this, yes. And I I believe it's the second year that the US Open or the USTA has invited an adaptive group. So it's it's quite new. Um, I know the Buddy Up Tennis is for children with Down syndrome. So they went last year. 
And um, so this year we were invited. And I think that it's one of those opportunities where, you know, uh, I've been working with UST about autism and about what to expect and you know how we might have to modify on the on-court experience for, for our children um, using more visuals and using the nets and rolling tape. So it's just, we have to be a little more um, adaptive in nature. And I, I think it will be a great success. I know the children are really excited and it's uh, yeah, that's it. I mean, it's, it's August 31st on a Saturday morning. Sweet. And then I just have a question for you. Um, I know that there have been places and theme parks and different um, organizations and companies have tried to make either their product or their experience autistic friendly. So is there going to be any changes that US Open's going to that they're going to provide for the students and for the kids there while you guys are there? Or is it just going to be like any other regular day that's tennis going on all the time? This is a, this is a great question. I, I, I don't have the answer. I just completed a webinar with USTA, but I, I'm going to speak to them, you know, a little bit more de- in detail this month. Um, I, I don't know. <laughs> I know that our children are very sensitive to sounds. And like you said, um, it's, it's important for us to make sure that they, you know, they, they feel comfortable in their environment. But I think the main thing we can do or I can do is create something called a social story or a video about what to expect so that they, it decreases their anxiety. Um, and I, and I'm sure that I, I'm sure that the USTA will accommodate us, you know, moving forward. I've already reached out to a few airlines and let them, you know, to try to ask for support because, um, a few of our, our families are all flying together on certain flights. So I think it's important that the airlines are, you know, notified in advance just to, um, you know, to offer more support if needed. It sounds like a lot of moving pieces and things you have to organize. How do you get the support you need? Is it and like financial support and, you know, family and friends and coworkers support? What, how do you get this done? We've had a, we've had a few fundraisers already. (laughs) The USTA, you know, is offering us the facility, but we're on our own to fundraise. So it's been, it's been a hurdle. It's been a challenge, but it's also pushed us, I feel, to step out and really um, ask for help. I, it's not one of my favorite things to ask for help, but I know as a 501c3, that's what we need. So we're, we are still fundraising actually now um, because we're, we, we're giving, you know, a thousand dollars to every family traveling for their flight in a hotel. So, um, you know, we're, we're almost there, but uh, we're still in the process of doing this now. And we have, I think one more fundraiser. We're, run, we're doing a 5K race on August 10th in um, in South Florida for additional fundraising. Well, if anyone listening to this podcast wants to learn more and help you with the fundraising, where should we direct them? Sure. So if anyone wants to go on our website, loveservingautism.org, we have a donate button on our homepage for the U.S. Open. Okay, so loveservingautism.org. Yes. Okay, perfect. Yeah, I mean, I think I think we've covered we've covered a lot today and. I think we've taken up enough of your time and I just wanted to thank you again because this is such a different kind of angle and story that we we aren't used to hearing and that we need to hear. It's very educational for us. Just, I mean, from a completely uh, individual point of view, it's, it's been very unique speaking with you. So thank you for what you're doing. It's it's remarkable. Thank you both. It really means every, it means so much to me for your support. So I appreciate it a lot. <laughs> Keep doing what you're doing, girl. It's awesome. Hey, I will. (laughs) You too. 
Okay, that ends this episode. That was Lisa Puglis of the Love Serving Autism Organization. Um, we were so thankful to have her on and just have a different kind of conversation about a different kind of you know, program and, and a different story in tennis. So this has been Nina Pantic, the Tennis.com podcast, and I've been joined by Rena Falcone. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. <laughs>